0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Milton Bible Church Online. It's Good Friday, and it's absolutely wonderful to be together. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to tell you a little story. It's a story about one red paperclip. One red paperclip is actually a book that was written by a guy by the name of Kyle McDonald, who at one time was an unemployed adventurer out west in, in Western Canada. And what happened was Kyle uh, decided that he would take his one red paper clip and he would begin to trade and do exchanges and barter and try to see how far he could get. Well, he started on July 14th and he traded his one red paper clip for a fish-shaped pen in Vancouver. Less than one year later, early July the following year, after 14 trades, Kyle McDonald had traded his one red paper clip up, 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 up to a two-story house in Kipling, Saskatchewan. Who would have ever thought that one red paper clip would end up being worth a two-story house. Well, today, I want to talk to you about the greatest exchange that has ever happened. And that is the exchange that happened on the cross of Christ. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones said this about the great exchange. He said, the cross is the door that leads to all blessings. It's more than necessary to understand the cross for Christians and those who may not yet be Christians. So let me ask you a question. What do you see when you look at a cross? What do you see when you look at a cross? Do you look at a cross on a wall and say, hey, maybe that's some kind of religious thing or maybe, you know, that's a nice decoration of some kind? Do you look at a cross maybe on a piece of jewelry and it might mean something to that person or it might not? Or maybe a cross is just a great tattoo that you can get that a lot of people have them um, all over their bodies, whether it means little or much to them. When you look at the cross of Christ, upon which the Prince of Glory died. What do you see? Well, in Jesus' day, people saw a symbol of of shame and of guilt and of horrible murder. But to Christians, the cross became a symbol of hope and a future and a symbol of joy and redemption and freedom. The Old Testament Looked forward to the cross. Well, the New Testament looked back to the cross. The cross is the center of all human history. Well, this is Good Friday. It is the day of the cross. And it is our custom at Milton Bible Church to not rush to Easter Sunday, to not rush to the celebration of of Jesus Christ rising from the dead and defeating death, although we will do that in just a couple of days. What we want to do on Good Friday is simply to sit at the feet of the cross and really begin to understand and appreciate all that happened there that day. The cross must remain central to our lives as Christ remains central to our lives as Christians. Well, I want to read a passage of scripture. It's from Romans chapter 5. It's a little bit of a complex passage, but I'm going to explain it in just a moment or two. In Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 21, this is what it says. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin... through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now that passage of scripture in Romans chapter five is a bit of a complicated uh, theological passage of scripture but let me simplify it for you because while Paul writes it out step by step, logically argues for the, for the case of the cross, um, let me sum it up for you. Basically, you could put it in two parallel lines. Um, Take a look at at the slide. It says, Sin brought condemnation, which leads to death. And grace brought justification, which leads to life. Let me say that again. Sin, the sin of Adam imputed to us so that we're all under sin, led to condemnation so that all were condemned before God which results in death, spiritual death, physical death. But the grace of God through the cross of Christ brought justification to all so that the result is life, eternal life in Jesus Christ. That is the all-important parallel. Those two statements standing side by side is what Paul is arguing for in Romans chapter 5. And the deepest reason why death reigns over all is not because of our individual sins. It's because of the transgression of one man, Adam, whose sin was imputed to us, so therefore we were all under sin. But the one gift of grace... What Jesus Christ did on the cross, the, the one thing that Christ did and the deepest reason for eternal life is not because of our individual deeds of righteousness, but because of God's righteousness imputed to us by grace through faith. Understand it this way: sin brings death, Grace brings life. Death that sin brings is both physical and spiritual. Throughout the Bible, death in both its physical and spiritual aspects is viewed as a judgment of God against evil. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, when God told Adam, in the day that you eat of the tree of knowledge, you shall surely die. And of course, Adam disobeyed God. And Adam's sin that day, his disobedience, was imputed to us. So we were born into sin as daughters and sons of Adam. Adam's sin is our sin. That's why it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that death is the wages that are paid out to the employees of sin. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, it says, In Adam all die. God must judge sin, or he would not be a good God. And so all stand under this sentence of death. It's kind of like this. One of my favorite movies is The Princess Bride. And in The Princess Bride, it's it's a love story. It's just a great love story. And in The Princess Bride, there's a young lover by the name of Wesley who takes a trip on a ship. He's desperately in love with the young Buttercup and longs to return to her. But the the ship is attacked by the dread pirate Roberts and and, uh, Wesley is taken captive. And at the end of every day, the dread pirate Roberts every night would say to Wesley, good night, Wesley. Good work today. I'll probably kill you in the morning. To be under sin, is like being under condemnation that can only lead to death. Condemnation says this, you will never measure up. You will never be good enough. You have missed the mark. You have no hope of being accepted. You did not pray today. You have given very little to God. You do not belong here. Why are your kids not living for the Lord? You are a failure. When was the last time you read your Bible? You are a hypocrite. And what sin does, sin brings nothing but condemnation, nothing but condemnation. In Romans chapter five, verse 20, it says the law was added so that the trespass might increase. In other words, the law was added so that we might understand beyond the shadow of a doubt what sin is. And living under sin, which brings condemnation that results in death, means that we have no hope, no hope whatsoever. That was the purpose of the law, to show us our sin, to reveal it in all its fullness. But there was no redemption there. There was no future there. When Mary and I first moved to Milton 28 years ago, within a couple months of moving here, I was summoned to jury duty, not once, but twice. Twice in the first three months of living in Milton. I thought maybe I was gonna become a professional juror. Now, in the 28 years since, I've not been called once, so a very odd thing. But I became part of a jury, which was judging, and uh, the guilt or innocence of a woman that was accused of theft. And so you had the uh, crown attorney, you had uh, her attorney, um, you had the, the judge there, you had all of the jury that was in the box, and all of us, um, I will ta- let me ask you something. Have you ever been to court and seen someone who stands accused of a crime an impossible jail sentence, I will tell you something, there is no joy there. People hang their heads in shame. They do not want to be going through what they're going through. The relatives and friends of the woman who is standing there accused of a crime are embarrassed. They don't want to be there. There is nothing in that place that brings redemption to anyone. Sin is a judge that only renders one verdict, and that verdict is this, condemned to death. Sin brings death, but grace brings life. In Romans chapter 5, 15, it says this, but the grace is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ overflow to the many so what paul is saying listen man if you think by 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 the one by the one man adam who imputed uh, sin to us so that we all stand under condemnation is a big deal guess what There was one act of righteousness, one gift of grace, one thing that God did that blows right out of the water sin and death and condemnation, and that is what Jesus Christ did on the cross. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, for God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, through Jesus' death on the cross, the gift or the grace of God declares us righteous and it leads to life. In other words, no condemnation from the law, no longer ruled by sin, no death for you. You are justified. You are declared righteous, not by anything that you have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And if you've received Jesus as savior, you are never you will never be more righteous than you are right now because you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ by virtue of what Christ has done on the cross and and you stand clothed in his righteousness before a holy God right now. You will be never loved never more loved than you are right now, and nothing will be able to separate you from the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that clothes you through his shed blood. In other words, you are righteous. You are righteous. So if you're listening right now, can you say out loud with confidence, I am righteous. Okay, I want you to say it one more time like you actually mean it. I am righteous. You are because of what Christ has done. We are no longer held captive by sin, but we are freed by the cross of Christ. We live by the grace of God. We are declared righteous. We have been set free. We have a new life to live in him, a new relationship in Jesus. And you know what? Many who are listening even now understand theologically that they have a new life in Jesus Christ. But far too many of us still feel defeated by sin and condemnation. Why do we feel like that? Why do we feel like our lives are still defeated and that we are more under sin then we are under grace. We live like we have a life of death rather than a life of grace in Jesus. Listen, folks, we need to get our thinking right. What Jesus is, has done is sufficient. It is sufficient to set us free. In Romans chapter 1, verse 6, it says, And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So in other words, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and what he has done on the cross, do you know what? You belong to Jesus and to no one else. No one else. And where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. And grace will always win over sin. And the gift of the cross is always about grace. You and I, we are a people who have been set free. Free to worship, free to serve, free to give, free to love one another, free to bless our neighbors, free to walk with Jesus through this life. Do you know, a few years ago, there was a young woman in a small town in Tennessee by the name of Caitlin Norman. She was 14 years old, and she had cancer. In fact, uh, after a f- just a few months of being diagnosed with c- bone cancer, the cancer had spread through her body, through her lungs, and into her great big heart. And there was one thing that Caitlin really wanted to do above anything else. And do you know what it was? Caitlin wanted to go to the prom, but the doctors came to them and said there was no way that Caitlin was going to make it that long. So do you know what happened? The prom committee heard about Caitlin's dilemma, and what they did was they brought the prom to her. What it was, it was a night like no other. It was a night uh, of, of, of any young girl's dream. There was more ice cream than you could possibly eat. There were ribbons throughout the room. There was music playing. There was balloons and decorations. In this small town in Tennessee, a town of 7,400 people, thousands of people lined the street outside of Caitlin's hospital room, cheering with the music playing, people dancing, hundreds of people uh, crammed into the hospital and and even into her room. Her family and friends were there. And Caitlin's boyfriend leaned over into Caitlin's bed and pinned her corsage onto her hospital gown. It was the most wonderful night Of her life. The theme of the prom, Caitlin in the sky with diamonds. Sharon Shepherd, one of those on the prom organizing committee, said this. She said the community support is overwhelming. It was God that orchestrated and planned it all into place. Doesn't that sound familiar? God brought the prom to a people who are condemned to death by the disease of sin. We don't have to beat ourselves up every day. Instead, what we need to do is learn to live in the grace of God, in the victory of the cross, in the joy that Christ has for us, as the free people of God. That's what happened on the cross. And if Jesus has set you free, do you know what? You are free indeed. And that is what happened on the cross. And that is why we call it Good Friday. And so I'm going to ask you to join me. Join me uh, as I eat. And as I drink, as I eat this bread, and as I drink from this cup, this bread that symbolizes the body of Jesus Christ that was broken on the cross, the the juice that symbolizes the blood of Christ that was shed for, for the forgiveness of our sins. Understand this. What we do today is we remember the great exchange that happened on the cross that we exchanged sin for grace, we exchanged condemnation for justification, and we exchanged death for life. And so what I want to do today, what I want us to do on this Good Friday as we sit at the feet of the cross and remember what Christ has done for us, let us do it with thankful hearts. Let us do it with joy as the free people of God who live under grace. So I'm just going to take some bread. I'm going to take this juice and I would invite you to eat and I would invite you to drink. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for Good Friday. We want to thank you for the cross of Christ, the cross that brings the grace of God, the cross that represents the free gift of salvation, the cross by which we are justified, the cross by which we have life. And so, Lord, on this Good Friday, we stand at the foot of the cross and we worship you and we glorify you and we give thanks and we exalt you as the free people of God who are loved by you. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us to live a life fully redeemed in the grace of God and in the joy of the lord this easter season and we will give you thanks in christ's name amen well thank you so much for joining us on this good friday i trust you're encouraged by the singing and by all that has happened by the readings by the fact us being in different churches and in different places um let's just continue to rejoice that the kingdom of God goes forward in power and we are part of God's great plan of salvation. So I look forward to seeing you on Easter Sunday. Bless you guys. Uh, It's going to be a great weekend. All right, God bless. We'll see you soon.